Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo, everyone, and thank you once again for tuning in to Radio Harambe. I am Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios. This is a special Rivers of Light review edition, review episode of the Radio Harambe podcast. And uh, before we bring Safari Mike in here to talk about it and talk about his experience, both of us actually saw it um, this past weekend, it's opening weekend. Um, I-, I-, I happen to be lucky enough to see the very first showing. Um, that was open to the general public on its opening day. Um, again, I say I was lucky. I was, we were not invited. Disney didn't give us a special spot or anything like that. No acknowledgement of us being there, which is the way we do things. And uh, <laughs> I just happened to be lucky enough to be there on that day, to have a vacation already planned uh, on that day. And thanks to Safari Mike, who is always on top of these things, we managed to get ourselves a fast pass to that very first showing. Um, um, I, when I was there, I happened to be there alone. Um, my wife and my son went back to the hotel to get themselves a nap and, uh, and to, uh, get the, get the child fed and all that kind of stuff. And they left me, uh, in the park by myself. So I took a chance to sort of find a quiet spot and record, um, just sort of my thoughts of the day and leading up to the rivers of light, um, what I will say uh, right off the top is that, um, again, there were two showings. I was only yet there for the first showing. The second showing um, was added later, and I also I was on the opposite side of the park from the now-famous bottleneck of people that took place uh, as one show was emptying, the other show was beginning. Uh, I was not party to that. I didn't even know it existed, um, and that was all done later on, so I have no insight as to why that happened or how it could have happened. Maybe Mike does later on, but uh, first, uh, what I want to play you first is my impressions before the show, then we'll come back on for a second, and then I'll play you um, my quick impressions that I recorded after the show. So without further ado, let us go to Disney's Animal Kingdom just a couple of days ago. Hey guys, Dave here. I am actually at the Animal Kingdom at about 5.15, 2 minus 2 hours, T minus 2 hours, to the official opening of Rivers of Light. As luck might have it, we happen to be in town for this evening, and uh, we get to see the opening of this hopefully unforgettable show. I'll tell you this much, the excitement is kind of building around here at the park. I want to just sort of pop in here, uh, sitting in Harambe Marketplace, having myself a, uh, a beverage, and I just wanted to kind of come on here and record um, just sort of my thoughts here of the day. We got, like I said, excitement starting to build here, even though, um, you know, in Disney terms, it kind of just popped this opening on people rather than the months and months of build-up like they usually enjoy doing for such uh, expensive 
and uh, <laughs> long in development uh, attractions and shows. Um, this one's just kind of popped on people, but yet we still have um, a lot of cast members here today, a lot of management here today, um, and you see just from talking to people, we got a lot of um, off-duty cast members are here tonight now um, for the show, and also we have uh, a lot of bloggers here for the show. Um, you know, everybody couldn't get into the media previews and those kind of things are here. And, um, you know, we got the merchandise out. It's kind of um, sparse. Uh, not all that great. Uh, we expect that th that will get better as time goes on. At least we hope it does. Um, and, you know, as you would think with the sort of quick opening here and the sort of uncertainty surrounding the opening, we didn't really have a whole lot of time to prepare stuff. I mean, I was even hoping, hoping for like maybe an opening night pin or something along those lines. There really isn't anything, just a few things that you've probably already heard about. Um, certainly Mike and I will talk about those things more on the show later on. Um, I also just wanted to mention a couple of things while I'm here to give you uh, just some of my impressions. First of all, I rode Dinosaur for the first time in a while, uh, first time since they redid it, and boy, they did a great job on it. I mean, it is back to what it was when it was Countdown to Extinction. It just looks great, and it looks beautiful, and it's, it's a wonderful ride um, once they've got it back up and running the way it once was all those years ago. It really is, uh, really is fun again, and it really does look great again, and I do recommend it. The other thing I wanted to mention was Mike and I talked about some new bird shows popping up around here. Um, there's one that we saw in Harambe. There's one in Dino Land. They're operated by the folks that do Winged Encounter which they still do, and they are all great, great additions to the park and to the entertainment schedule. Um, again, they're very sort of fun. They're short. They're only maybe 10 minutes long. They're at this point just sort of popping up. Um, you know, you got to ask a cast member for them. They do have the times. Uh, what I would recommend is if you happen to be walking by Winged Encounters, ask that cast member, uh, those people who work for that company that are doing those shows, um, they'll give you the most accurate information. Some some of the regular cast members don't have it on even their time guide. Um, as I have complained about many, many times before, um, they're sparse in the information here with regards to these shows, but they are really the simple. Um, there's only maybe four or five different birds that are part of it, uh, so they're very quick, uh, but they're great, and they're great little additions, and they get people involved. There's a lot of sort of audience participation in them, and um, you know, they bring the animal theme back into the sort of cultural theme that goes on around the different areas of um, the animal kingdom, and certainly the one in Harambe did that. It, it was really great. I mean, the, the birds coming from the top of the buildings and flying down onto the stage was really such a neat little um, addition. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to stop recording at this point and then come back to you after I get to see the show. Like I said, it's about two hours to the show, an hour and 55 now or so, and uh, I'm just gonna sort of putz around the Animal Kingdom for a little while, maybe sit at the Dawa Bar, maybe go catch the Burdika Band, uh, maybe see some acrobats, get uh, maybe the Tree of Life Awakening, those kind of things, and then I'm gonna go see the show. I'm seeing the first one. They actually, in the course of the last few days, added a second one, which is uh, quickly all the fast passes were snapped up. I have mine for the first one, so I plan on being there. Um, and then I'll come back on later on after this short break and tell you about the show and my impressions of it. Uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty exciting. So stay tuned. <laughs> 
So back here in the studio, I in fact did sit down at the uh, Dow Bar, watch a set of the Burdika Band. Um, I uh, managed to go single rider on uh, Expedition Everest. Um, walked around the Maharaja Jungle Track. I did a couple of things like that leading up for those last couple of hours. And then uh, the Fast Pass told me to sit down between 6.35 and 7. The show started at 7.15, so as best as I can tell, um, by 7 o'clock we were at near capacity. Now, by the time I got there, what, I was, what was obviously going on was the Dinoland side was the side of the park where um, standby people were being able to sit down. And the opposite side, the Everest side uh, was the side where the uh, fast pass people were sitting down so I got there good 35 or so minutes before showtime and the Dinoland side is already completely full so people were aware of it people knew it was happening um, and they were they were ready for it and in line uh, earlier now I was not on that side of the park in the last hour or so before I sat down so I can't tell you for sure how long people were lining up or how they were working out the differences in the lines uh, I know they had the same logistic problem with Jungle Book um, doesn't sound as though they learned much from that but uh, again I wasn't there for that we'll talk to Mike maybe he he went the next night maybe he uh, witnessed some of those issues uh, I don't know so at 6:35 uh, or 6:40 or so, um, uh, the you know I'm in my seat listening to a wonderful pre-show soundtrack. Just sounded terrific, uh, and waiting for the show to begin. So it was only a matter of time before the Rivers of Light began. So, so I watched the show, and here is what I recorded right after the show ended. So I'm here actually at the bus station. Um, waiting to pick up a bus to head over to the boathouse uh, for some post-show celebration, so to speak, after the first, um, my first look at the Rivers of Light, which, I, I, I mean, I wanted to come on here and give you my first impressions because I felt it was important to kind of give the unfiltered feeling that you get when you right out of the show. And I didn't want to stop and record <laughs> in my seat because, there is a lot of people there, and it would have been very noisy. All I can say is, wow, it's, it's stunning. It's gorgeous. It's an incredibly beautiful, visually and musically, it's an incredibly beautiful celebration of the natural world, incredibly fitting for the park. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. I, can't, I couldn't say anything more than that. I mean, it's, again, first impressions, um, you know, may not always be what people end up writing about or blogging about, but wow. I mean, it's amazing. It's everything I had hoped it would be. It's the perfect celebration of what the Animal Kingdom is all about, and uh, it's the perfect ending for, for the Animal Kingdom day. Um, it's everything I thought it would be and hoped it could be. It's very Joe Rohde. And let me just say this. Um, there's no Mickey Mouse. There's no Olaf. There's none of that. Okay, so I understand some of the bloggers and the Disney fans that have an issue with it. There's no fireworks, there's no, um, the word dreams is barely ever mentioned, if it ever is at all, or magic or anything like that. It's not about that. It's definitely 
it breaks the Disney mold, just like the park itself broke the Disney mold when it opened in 98, and it is the perfect fitting for it. Um, I can't say anything more than just, wow, it's, it was, it's incredible. And it's probably the only nighttime show from this point forward that I'm gonna make a point to go and see because it is that good. Um, if, but again, if you're looking for characters, if you're looking for happy, peppy music and you know, and all those things, people dancing and whatever have you, you're not gonna get it here. But why do you want that? That's not what the park's all about. Um, so if you have read people, bloggers or whoever who have been critical of it, you know, ask yourself why might they be? What kind of fan are they? Are they a fan of this park or are they a Disney person? Because there isn't a whole lot of Disney to this um, from the viewpoint of most people and their definition of Disney. But for those of us who feel that Disney, especially their parks, are defined by the incredible talents of Joe Rohde and his style and the way he communicates, it's perfect. This is exactly what we wanted. Uh, bravo. It's terrific. Um, that's enough for me now. I, we will actually get back to the show here, take another short break, and we'll, uh, we'll come back to the show. Mike and I, I'm sure, will discuss it even more. Uh, just, just, just so happy with it. Can't say enough. in the studio and back in the Radio Harambe studio and I am joined now from somewhere in the world by Safari Mike. Mike, where are you today? Jumbo Dave, I am in Mount Speck National Park. How do you spell Speck? S-P-E-C. Oh, really? I wasn't expecting that. S-P-E-C. Oh, jeez. S-P-E-C. Um, man, I got nothing. I, 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 I that that doesn't help me at all. I, um, because that's a weird, weird pronunciation. Well, I, I'm gonna say it's uh, uh, this makes for great radio. Uh, I don't know. Uh, something that might be English, um, but not English. Uh, you know, something where they might speak in the. Uh, uh, I don't know. Finland. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you were way off. I'm in Queensland, Australia. I was far, almost as far off as you could possibly get then. Because uh, there isn't much further north than Finland. And no, there isn't much further south that. than Australia. So that's yeah. pretty much it. We are here, Dave, studying the Rusty Antechinus, which is a little carnivorous marsupial. And the fascinating thing about it is the males live only long enough to breed once. Ooh. They strip themselves of all vital proteins and suppress their immune system so they can get additional metabolic energy just to go crazy breeding. And once the breeding season is over, all of the physiologically exhausted males die off at once. Wow. It is a fascinating little animal. Uh, the females only live for about two or three years, but the, but the males only live once to breed. How little are we talking? Oh, they're the size of a little mouse. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. Well, Mike, um, 
We just uh, finished listening to me uh, recorded live at um, before and after the Rivers of Light. Obviously, I gushed uh, senselessly, really, about it. And I, um, you know, what I wanted to do there was sort of give the unfiltered uh, review of it. I had not um, really paid any attention to any anything online about it even during the previews i wasn't paying much attention to it because i i we you know we were always skeptical whether or not the previews were going to be the finished article because they had had so many problems and some is you know some issues with things we thought the show might change um so i really didn't pay much attention to those so i saw it and i i mean i just thought it was incredible i was absolutely enchanted by it i mean i thought it was an amazing show um what about you so, do you want the good or the bad first, Dave? I'll take it however way you want it. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the bad. And this is sort of minor stuff, I think. Okay. Um, like, things like um, they didn't have food readily, or food and drinks readily available in the theater itself. You had to actually exit the theater to go get food and drinks, which I found kind of annoying and not convenient, especially for somebody who's there with, you know, kids. Um that's kind of minor. Um, I thought the narration of the film. Of it's, the, a, it's, uh, show, a, it's important to point out that that would have been a that that is a um, criticism that should have gone along with Jungle Book as well. They have, you know, that's the construction oh, of the of the actual theater. Right. Um, uh, and and also, also you have to bear in mind that the place wasn't designed for that. So you're talking about a much bigger investment trying to get some sort of cooking going on on the other side. Well, it of, does, or it they could have been, cooking. yeah, it could have I mean, been it, popcorn it, it, or a drink stand or something like right. that. And I do believe when I saw it, when I first walked in the door of the fast pass line on your right, there was something there. Like what? I thought it was a soda guy. I couldn't. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't see a soda guy there. I, I could maybe I missed it, but um, but anyway, but again, a minor point. Okay. Some of the more, you know, some of the things about the show itself. I mean, I thought the narration was kind of, eh, but again, not a big deal. I thought the shamans were relatively useless in terms of the show itself, but in terms of the good stuff, and there was a lot of good stuff. That's a very, that's a very strange. Those are two very strange criticisms to even think Tell of. Tell me why. Because the shamans are a small part of it. It's like it's like saying that uh you know um <laughs> there's a, a a couple of pieces of uh you know of uh, uh of projection in um you know any of the other fireworks things that you don't you know that are weren't really useful for you or something like that i mean they're just they weren't a big part of the show it was just sort of an entrance into the show and an exit into the show is really all it was yeah i guess i mean to me it's sort of like uh criticizing uh phantasmic for example when um you know what's the point of the whole pocahontas thing I mean, it's not really a big. No, 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 no. I, I don't. I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think you're. I think you're. You're way off base in how much time you, you, you. I think you, you put in an amazing amount of time into that dopey Pocahontas part. Well, um, first of all, and you don't do that with longer. Right, but but your but thirteen minutes. Sure, but your my point is your investment in time in that particular show. <laughs> portion is much bigger and you have to sit through a lot more the shamans just come out play some drums and go away 
I mean, that's really well, it. Well, they don't really go away they're there the whole time. But I, I understand what you're saying. I, I mean, that's fine. Um, I just, like, I, again, as I pointed out before, this is a minor criticism. I just thought they were relatively useless. Um, I like the boats, though, that they were on. So, right. But neither here nor there. Let's talk a little bit about the good. Um, number one, the merchandise I liked a lot. Oh, you um, see, you so, see, you see, I disagree with that, but go ahead. Well, I liked the, the t-shirts, eh, not so much, but some of like the, um, you know, the glow stick kind of stuff that I, I love the mugs, um, some of the magnets and pins I thought were really nice. I, I like that. Um, what did you like? You, you I'm starting you to get, yeah, I, I think it was, I, I think it looked kind of meh. They're all based around the same design. There's really nothing, um, you know, not much to them. They made one design, slapped it on five different products, and called it a day. Um, you know, I, I they all kind of are the same color. They're all kind of the same look. And it's just another extension of my general sort of um, dissatisfaction with Disney merchandising when it comes to the Animal Kingdom. I mean, I, we've talked about this before. I just think they're doing a very bad job with the merchandising there at, this, at that park. When it used to be that they did a very good job with the merchandising mm -hmm. at the park. Now it's all very kind of normal and not 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 very well thought out and and uh i, I mean I, it just looked like it was hey we need to throw in some rivers of light thing boom here's one good design we like that all right slap it on seven things and stick it in the store right you know that's kind of what it was I, I if you like that design i guess that's great <laughs> you know <laughs> well, let me go back dave for a second to another uh, problem since we're sort of talking about some of the not so great things about it first and that is crowd control is terrible i don't know what your thoughts on this are but when there are two shows um of rivers of light when you if you go to the first one they make you actually leave and go to the right and swing all the way around the lagoon this is from the fast pass section of asia all the way around the lagoon <laughs> through dino land and back over by the flame tree barbecue which in and of itself is kind of annoying because it's you know you're going okay you know, away to go back again but it puts you right into the teeth of the standby people right, right. who are all lined up trying to get into the Dinoland side. And it was just a major cluster, you know what, right. in terms of trying to move people around. And then if you go if you go to the later show, if there are technical problems with the first show, which, you know, this is a possibility based upon what we've seen so far. Um you know, they make you sort of sit over by where the Gibbons are or off to the side and that new path down there. It's just it's just crowd control needs to improve a little bit. Maybe that requires further and maybe this would be better once um, the park is open later and later. It requires, um, you know, a bigger length of time between the shows. But the way they had it set up opening weekend where they added a couple of shows, I mean, the two shows were right on top of each other and that created like a, a nightmare in terms of logistics. Okay, but, with with Mike oh. with Mike being on the other side of the world, he was not able to listen to uh, the previous portion of the show, which I had already no. recorded. Um, and I had mentioned two things about this. Um, well, I, I said, I, well, let me say this. I mentioned one thing about this. The, the sure. other thing I want to mention before I just sort of quickly repeat that is. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right when it comes to their their plan here is to knock this down to one show like four times a week, right? I mean, this is not going to be a two times nightly event. 
Um, I'm not sure. Well, I think they're going to have it so that you will be able to do it two nights, uh, two times a night. I mean, it only sits five thousand people. Right. So, I mean, it, in the in the throes of summer, um, when there's a lot of people there and they want to sort of kind of draw some people away from just overloading Avatar Land. Um, I think they will have two shows. You know, well, in July, okay, okay. August, so, so then Christmas let me, time. Right. So then, let me say this: in those times, starting right. this summer, uh, I believe we're going to see the park being open much later than it was when we were there, which it closed sure. at eight o'clock. So you, so you'll be able to spread those out, so they can do a show at at uh, you know seven thirty and one at nine thirty. You know, they or, can, yeah, they, or, or even nine. I mean, the, right. w- w- they were what seven fifteen and eight. Yeah, uh, when, or no, yeah, they were maybe they were really pushing them. There for sure, trying to squeeze it in there because the demand was so high. Well, um, and and in in one night there was a technical delay which delayed the start of it from seven fifteen to like seven forty ish. Right. But even with a fifteen minute show, you are now, you know, it was still going on when the, your app was telling you for telling the fast pass people it's time to start, you know, going into the theater. So sure. it created created an issue. They need a little bit more of a gap, especially if they're going to continue to have technical difficulties every once in a while uh the other thing i would say is that when i was there mike i i was i was here on the first night you were there on the second night when i was there um no such problem existed with um the bottleneck of people or anything like that okay they let me i went out because now we fast pass side as 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 we explained is on the um ever side of the lagoon when you ent- when you exit, Mike said they forced him to the right over the bridge into Dino Land. The day that I was there, they didn't do that. You can come out and go wherever you wanted. Um, so it was it was a lot easier to um, to exit, and I was out of the park within a few minutes. You know, it was not not an issue at all. But I know that they did that. I don't know what caused them to make that change. Um, it seems like know. you wouldn't, you know, they're, they're always looking for ways to sort of funnel people in one direction so that they can right. control the rest of the crowd. Um, uh, you know, when the park is open, you know, when the park is open beyond the time that the show is on, you know, because the park closed at 8 o'clock and the show went on at 7.15. So by the time the show was done, there's only like 20 minutes left in the park. But the park is still open. So why are you pushing me in one direction if that's not where I want to go? You know, that was the annoying, that's the annoying thing about that. They're going to have to change that. They're just going to have to let people disperse. And like we were saying, they're going to have to have some more time in between shows. They'll figure that out. That's not, I'm not worried about that. They'll figure that out. And I think after the summer is over, they'll go down to one show a night, to be honest with you. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, certainly during the quiet times, it'll be right. it'll be one show a night. And, and, and like I said, it's, it's something that they just need to figure out the logistics of it. Um, and, and I think part of the reason why they have this, they sort of pushed for the opening of this well in advance of Avatar Land, and you're still three months away from right. from that opening, is to sort of get an idea, you know, get the figure this out. down. Yeah, right. figure all this stuff out. They don't want to open this. You know, in late April or, or you know early May, and only have like a couple of weeks to try to figure it out logistics before exactly everything changes again with with Avatar opening. But anyway, exactly. you're right. Should we go it. to some of the more positive. Go ahead, things? go, go, yeah. Um, the music is fantastic. It's some of the best music, yeah, um, really is in the parks. Um, and I know they're going to start selling a CD of both this and the Tree of Life Awakening show, which is also equally fantastic music um, in the next week or so, I believe. Um, it is aesthetically a very beautiful show. 
uh, the, the lotus flowers in particular, the fountains that you will see um, are amazing and, and watching them work their way around the water and, and you know, do their thing is, is fantastic. And the, and the floats of the animals themselves are, are very good. The screens, uh, the water screens, the technology used for that and the visuals on the water screens are infinitely better. It's than amazing. what it was at Jungle Book. I mean, at Jungle Book, you, yeah. you, if, if certain spots you were in, you really couldn't tell what was on the screen. It was really not right. very good. This was fantastic. I mean, it was clear, clear, crisp visuals of animals. You know, you know, the bear running through the water. Some of them three-dimensional some looking, which was just... Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to do that. I mean, that was just phenomenal. Right. All, all of that was fantastic. And, and I like the, the sort of the pre-show with the shadows on the trees and the stuff, right, right. and the fireflies and stuff. It was just visually and, you know, musically a very pleasing show. My only real criticism of it uh, and why I don't think I, I, I still think Illuminations is the best nighttime show in Disney World. Oh, um, I don't know if you agree with that. Or no, not. this is better than Illumination. Okay, so I disagree with that. But, um, you know, there's no real... I, 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 I feel like there needs to be... And maybe there doesn't, but there's no real wow, oomph kind of thing that you ordinarily get with a major fireworks show. And, and obviously they can't do fireworks here. And I kind of relate it to... And I kind of use a metaphor for this show. And I want to see what you think about this. Illuminations and Wishes are kind of like... Um, a roller coaster of of a nighttime event. There's a lot of oomph. There's a lot of wow factors. Okay. This this is more of the very pleasant, um, fun boat ride of nighttime events. Okay. Um, and not I mean, who doesn't love a, a, a fantastic boat ride? But you know, this is sort of like the Pirates of the Caribbean of nighttime events, while Illuminations is you know Big Thunder Mountain. However you want to phrase it. Um, that's just sort of the thing. This was more pleasant, nice, pretty, as opposed to whoa uh, that you get with like some of the fireworks show. And I don't, know, I don't know if they can change that. I don't know if they could do anything to it. I don't know if they could use like some other technologies, like drones in the air or or whatever it is. Um, obviously, they can't use fireworks, like we said. But th that's how how I kind of looked at it. This was the pleasant boat ride of nighttime events. Um. And so what I would say to that is Disney made its name on such things. And, uh, you know, Disney is Disney because of Pirates of the Caribbean. Sure. And Haunted Mansion and things like that. And not because of roller coasters, which anybody can make. Um, you know, anybody could shoot fireworks up in the air and go, whoa. Okay. Well, I mean, let me finish. Let me finish. I understand. Anybody can shoot fireworks up in the air. Fireworks <laughs> being a um, show-stopping moment is really nothing specifically impressive in its creativity. So what they've done is they've taken sort of the Macy's thanks, you know, the Macy's July Fourth fireworks in New York City, which is set to music and beautiful music and set beautifully to it and all that kind of stuff, and then they've just added some visuals, um, right? And and kaboom, project something on the screen, project something onto the castle, and you have a Disney show, and everybody thinks it's wonderful, and it is to a certain to a certain extent. This is. Um, pushing the envelope. This is this is creating something different. This is fantastic. 
in Disneyland. You know, <laughs> this is uh, the wonderful world of color or whatever that thing is. Sure. This is something new. This is something different. And it's something that works. Not every To me, not everything needs to have a bright, shiny object that everybody goes, whoa, over, you know, to be impressive. Um, and while while illuminations is great and i do love illuminations there's a lot of illuminations that doesn't really work there's a lot of yeah and that's a big chunk of the show mike and and there's no part of this show that doesn't work to me it all works you don't like the the shamans well i i like the way the shamans sort of slowly introduce the show to you they're 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 you know, a small ex- entrance into the show. They're kind of a neat little mysterious thing. They're there just for a second. It, but even so, if that were, again, we're back to what I said before about, uh, you know, about the investment in time you put into the Pocahontas part. Illuminations is great, but there is a large, large chunk of the show that doesn't really work. And or you know, it's hard to comprehend where it's not you're not really getting the story in it unless you're in an incredibly good spot to see it from, which there are few, very few and far you know those are few and far between on 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 World Showcase. This show sightlines from every place where you can see it are perfect, and that so that's like you know unusual for a part of show. Can I interrupt okay. you real quick? Where did you sit? Uh, well, the, the fast pass entrance at the time. Was right. across from, I guess, like the new bar that's over by Everest. Okay. Um, and I sat right in front of that. So I sat just about in the middle of Okay. that, um, you I'm know, that section. With the with the visuals, like, all the way to the right or left, depending. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, the farthest away from the center. I can't see. Be- I can't see how they're not significantly better than... Probably at least thirty percent of the spots that you're looking looking at from uh, illuminations from the world. Oh Showcase, no, sure, sure, no, right? no, I agree with that. But so, I, I'm so they've got as to what that visual is like. Over sure, there, so. so, but my point is they've got that fixed. The sight lines are there, um, and there is no portion of this show that just sort of drops off. You know, there's no portion of the show where 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 you lose it, and and every other show they do has that to some degree, in my opinion. This does not, and that's why I think it's a it's a way better show in the in that regard. I think it's definitely improved since they shortened it. I saw the um, I saw the video of the previews um, that was a couple of minutes longer than this one, um, and it dragged at parts. Although, and again, you seeing it live, yeah, you can't it's say that. So much right. different. You can't say seeing that. It yeah. Seeing it in, on uh, a YouTube video, even, if, even even with a even if you use a big screen, um, because it's just it's just a different animal, you know. No pun intended. I think um, see, even seeing the show the way it is right. on a YouTube screen without the incredible audio that you see and the right. dimensional aspect of some of the uh, of some of the um, uh, projections, uh, you, you're getting nothing. You're getting, you're not getting the show by True. any means at all. So I just really would urge people, if you are coming at me with a criticism on this show and you haven't been to see the show, don't bother because right. you haven't seen the show. It's that simple. Oh, but but I will add that I think it was a smart idea shaving a few minutes off of it because I think if that show, the one that they have now, Rivers of Light, was three or four minutes more of water screens and you know the visuals on it would sort of start right. to get tired. I think they had the right amount of uh, visuals on the water screen. I think. Okay. 
Cool. So, so um, you know, what else? What else you got before we call this? Oh, I think that's it. I think I covered pretty much everything I want to talk about. Okay, Mike, before I let you go, one of the things I did mention in the um, when I was at the Animal Kingdom was the new bird shows. Um, okay. I just want you to, to talk a little bit about that. I know you saw both of them. We saw, or at least I saw, two. I think you were there for both of them. Um, the Dino Land show, or you, were, you, know, you saw both of these. I don't think there's any more than these two, right? Um, Those are the only two. There's a Dinoland show where they kind of focused their talk about how birds evolved from dinosaurs and, right. and show some of the different, you know, um, predatorial techniques of the birds and things to that effect. And then um, they there was another show in Africa that, you know, kind of themed around African birds and kind of brought the animals into the whole harambe feel and 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 right. um, and i love them both they're very short um you know quick just sort of maybe 10 minutes yeah they're just sort of pop-up things um but they're both great in my opinion just talk about them real quickly before we go sure so um basically you sort of touched on the the, the major aspects of it i mean the dino land one is built on a is a small like theater standing room only um, over by Restaurantosaurus, and they, the show that we saw brought out, oh, they brought out a toucan, which they had people, they had walk over uh, volunteers' arms. They had um, a seriyama, which comes out, and that's typical from the Flights of Wonder show. It like it's the the long legged bird that you see right. pound a, a a rubber lizard into the ground, and as you said. You know, they talk about this relationship between dinosaurs and birds, and they sort of relate these animals to, you know, maybe some of the dinosaurs that, um, you know, were alive 60 million years ago. Right. Um, they brought out, for some reason, they had Guano Joe involved in this particular show, which right. was a complete waste of time. Um, but, I mean, it was really pointless. But they did use volunteers. Um, you know, they had a, a, a girl come up and fish along with a kia, which is a, oh no, a stork from uh, from out from. I don't remember the stork, the the, the type of stork it was, but right. uh, you know that was you know. But he was fishing against the girl, and then and then the, you know, as I said, the toucan walks out in your arms. In Harambe, they use the stage that Brutica Band plays on, like right. everybody else, and right. and it's much more crowded. And I think that's really a, a function of the fact that Harambe of has where it more is. people yeah. on it yeah. than, than you know, over by Restaurantosaurus. Um, and it's also, obviously, this is a much bigger stage, and they use Harambe itself. So you had an owl coming out from above Tamu Tamu. They had a, um, a, a obsidian ground hornbill coming out from above Mombasa Marketplace. And, you know, that was... Uh, and, you know, you get to see the owl and stuff fly right over your head and, and things like that. And again, it was only... Uh, three or four birds. They, I believe they had the African parrot, which uh, if somebody watches Flights of Wonder knows they can count to four, and they do that little bit. So they kind of have right. little portions of Flights of Wonder in both of these shows. Um, right. Again, it's much more abbreviated. Again, you're not sitting down. It's not a stage, pre not a theater presentation. It's only like a little thing. Um, the negative of it, though, is that um, at least as of right now, and I, I assume as, as long as they're doing these, uh, Flights of Wonder itself is about cut into about half the number of shows. There were only three, I think, presentations of Flights of Wonder um, going on now, when it used to be five or six. And that's a function of they use these birds for, um, well, for these other little shows. Right. So, 
you know, there's some good and bad, um, but I did like them. And obviously, you don't need to be, um, you know, take the time to go to Flights of Wonder and sit in the theater. And, you know, it doesn't chop up 45 minutes to an hour out of your touring day to to watch some birds. And, and this does give you sort of the, you know, the light version of right. Flights of Wonder and that the birds fly right over your head. And you get to see, you know, instead of eight, nine, ten different kinds of bird uh, behaviors and that kind of thing, you see three or four um, in a much more abbreviated way. So I liked it. I liked it. The only, like I said, the only drawback is it takes away from uh, the number of times you can see Flights of Wonder. If that's what you want to do, and I and I still recommend Flights of Wonder. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't aware of that. Um, so that that is a drawback, I guess. Especially, you know, not if they weren't at capacity or whatever. If they spread right. the, spread the shows out at the right time, there's still plenty of time to go and see them. Um, and also, let me just make another comment on Safari Snark here. Um, while uh, Guano Joe doesn't really lend to the show in any way. He also doesn't detract from the show in any way. No, so so there's another one of Mike's little criticisms that he just likes to throw in there just for the well, sake of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, waste of time. Yeah, waste of time. Safari Snark, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Come on now. You have to admit that it was a, there was really no reason for him to be there. Uh, that's not at all the point. But uh, neither here nor there um, we we are we are concluding our show today. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank all of you for joining us. Don't forget to go to johnboeveryone.com, find all the links to social media and that kind of stuff. Um, I guess that's it. I, I I don't think there's anything else I wanted to mention. So for Safari Mike, I am Dave McBride, Quarini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harame. <laughs> Now, who do you